Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts, and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team, and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, we are speaking with Ryan Kushner, co-founder and director of startups at Third Derivative, a joint venture of Rocky Mountain Institute and New Energy Nexus. Third Derivative, or D3, is a vertically integrated engine built to accelerate the rate of climate innovation. They uniquely combine a next-generation accelerator, committed venture capital network, a curated ecosystem of global corporations, and unparalleled market, regulatory, and policy insights. I was excited to have Ryan on the show and learn more about his unique story that began with working in the weed industry in California and being a long-time burner to learn how he jumped into climate tech wrote a book and launched the derivative, which regularly gives away their curriculum and investor list to help others create structure to support founders fighting climate change. During the show, Ryan will share his overview of the climate tech ecosystem today, where we are at, and what needs to happen to ensure the climate tech ecosystem can fully support the 2050 net zero goal. He will cover also in detail how they select and support founders by finding, funding, and helping scale the most promising technologies to achieve larger, faster reductions in global carbon emissions. 
Finally, Ryan will share how they evaluate impact in companies they support with their programs and how you can be involved in their initiatives today. In the second part of the show, Ryan will give his secret sauce for founders seeking to fundraise. Then Ryan will cover the challenges that he sees for climate tech teams seeking to scale and go global. Finally, he will give his insights on how he maintains a healthy work-life balance as a father and an investor. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. We are super honored and excited to have you here uh, with us today. So as usual, before we start, uh, could you please give us a 30-second uh, introduction about uh, Third Derivative? Yes, happy to. And it's a great pleasure to be here. Hello to everyone that's watching and listening today. Third Derivative is uh, an accelerator program. It's a joint venture of the Rocky Mountain Institute, RMI, and New Energy Nexus. We're sort of a traditional accelerator. We take in climate tech companies. We help, help them uh, with a bit of an added twist that very mission-focused, pretty large, attached to some big organizations, and we're vertically integrated. So we have corporate and VC partners uh, that are part of the team and looking to work with the startups sort of at the outset. So Let's start from the from the top. Can you tell us a bit more about your story uh, and your background? Uh, and we also like to know anything specific about uh, about you that is not public. Uh, you know, like who is Ryan? I mean, uh, yeah, what do you, what do you like to do besides being a successful investor? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'll go sort of um, macro to micro. So, sort of my life mission is to create beauty. That's what really drives me. And part of creating beauty is saving beauty. And so that's where climate change comes in. And I'm very passionate about sort of dedicating my career, my 80,000 hours, which is the average uh, sort of length of a career towards um, saving the incredible, abundant, biodiverse, verdant earth that we live on um, as much as possible. And we can get into some of the finer points of that. And um, <clears throat> that also manifests in many other ways. So uh, I make sure that individual uh, interactions, I make sure that people feel uh, respected and appreciated, uh, beauty in every conversation. I also make some art. I made some guitar holders this summer and just random art. I'm a lifelong burner. So I'm part of the Burning Man uh, global creative community and a lot of diverse activities. Cool. So, um... I think like it sounds like when I when I look at your experience, like you you almost started like directly into the the climate tech industry, but and you mentioned this uh, you know creating uh, creating beauty uh, mm -hmm. and, and and preserving it. What was the real driver? Did you get like this one moment where you say, okay, you know what, I'm out of college or uh, mm -hmm. I'm yeah. in that job right now, and really I want to uh, be part of it and, uh, and 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 start in a way before it became as hot as it is today. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are several epiphanies which presented forks on the road um which uh i took at various uh points in my sort of career out of college i went to i'm a badger which means i went to university of wisconsin madison I had a great college experience and left with very little idea of what i wanted to do so after living um abroad for a couple of years i became a, a film editor in los angeles i was in the union i worked on weeds and californication i sort of had this uh, itinerant sort of gig life where I was like, you know, 
bi-coastal New York, LA, and that was fun for a while. Um, but George Bush was president. We were in Iraq and um, just felt like everything was falling to pieces. And I realized I felt um, I was happy because I had a job and I had an income. And that was sort of job one out of college was just survive. But it didn't seem very uh, purposeful. And I didn't feel, I felt like underused effectively. And so that's when I began to think about what my next step was. Um, fortuitously, I was in San Francisco visiting friends and I met someone that told me about this very interesting avant-garde MBA program that they were in called the Presidio Graduate School. And they described it sort of as a, a, a school that looks at business as the tool for social and ecological improvement. I thought that seemed interesting enough um, and avant-garde and strange enough, but also respectful enough that that was sort of the school for me. So I entered into the Presidio Graduate School, which, you know, initially a green MBA. And I had a sense I cared about the environment, I cared about the world, but that didn't really mean I had any idea of really what was going on or what my insertion point was or what my particular attitude or approach was. Um, and I remember very early on, uh, I was in a class and they show the Keeling curve, which is the measure of carbon dioxide in the Earth's atmosphere as measured by ice core samples. So it goes back to, uh, 80,000 plus years. And the, the, the chart goes up and down seasonally for a really long time. Then all of a sudden there's this huge spike and then there's kind of this arrow. It's like, you are here. And to me, that was a very much a holy shit kind of moment where I knew yeah, notionally I cared about climate change, but I didn't realize what a big um, issue it was and where we are, like just the precipice of danger that we stood upon. And so that really uh, strengthened my resolve and my co conviction that climate change, this is my career. Then I was left with the problem of, okay, what are you going to do now, Ryan? Like climate change, it's everything. It's related to everything. It's the entire world that we inhabit, all of Spaceship Earth. And so it took me a little while until I ended up working at a, a uh, renewable energy startup um, based in the Bay Area. And for the first time, that felt like this makes sense. Okay, so we were working to... Uh, replace effectively fossil fuels with renewable energy. It's like this is a direct effect. This, like, yeah, I can, I can, I can see like every time I show up at work, every every email I send, all my calories spent and time spent um, actually make a difference. And so that was when I sort of got into energy. Um, subsequently, I found out about this accelerator program. Accelerator, the word didn't really mean much to me at the time, but it was this program, and they were supporting a bunch of startups. And so I was convinced to sort of apply by my wife. And although I was resistant to it in some way, I think it was probably just too big or too different, but she convinced me to apply. And that was Elemental Accelerator based in Hawaii. And I joined the team. I worked there for three and a half years. I really got to understand how interesting and effective accelerator programs can be. So then I went from working on the one startup I was working on to I think we had about 45 startups in our program. And so a portfolio of 45 startups in you know, energy, water, cybersecurity, you know, across the, the climate tech um, spectrum, that was really interesting. And I sort of grew from there. I just really fell in love with accelerators as a tool that are very human-centered. You have to work with a lot of people. You have to work on a lot of issues and learn a lot. There's the investing side and the training side, the mentorship. So there's so much to it. And so I've basically just gone crazy with that. And then I subsequently um, uh, had the opportunity to 
create a program called Free Electrons. And that was my first bite at the apple of really like doing this thing, which maybe I didn't even know how these happen. Who did you create accelerator programs? Like, is that a thing? It is a thing. And so I did that. And I really love that because, you know, I'm a, I'm a creative person. And so being at that sort of formative stage where you get to sort of understand like, okay, so we've got some money and we have an objective and how do we put it all together to have an impact? So that was really fun. I went on to write my book, Accelerate This, um, and then work um, uh, at New Energy Nexus, where I was sort of helping to structure programs. The latest program is the one that you mentioned, which is third derivative. So that sort of brings us a bit full, full cycle there. Fantastic. And, uh, and, and, and I saw also you shared a lot of content and you were like, uh, I remember seeing uh, your document uh, going around, like, please uh, uh, take my, uh, my, my work from, uh, I yeah. think it was from the Nexus, uh, Nexus program right. that you put together yeah. for. And I think that that yeah. was just like fantastic to, uh, to kind of like put everything out there like that. But before we go into the, into the third derivative in, in itself and the specifics of, uh, of the, this last program, um, can you uh, give us an overview of the uh, climate tech ecosystem today? We like to kind of like zoom out and understand mm -hmm. where uh, we are at today uh, and what needs to happen in a way for having this climate tech uh, industry or ecosystem being able to fully support the 2050 uh, net zero goal. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been kind of in the, the uh, climate tech, clean tech industry for uh, a little over uh, 10 years now. And uh, I'm sort of happy to report that we've gone from maybe like, I'd say like the redheaded stepchild, like the ninth or 10th most in interesting industry, just in terms of where people are investing and reading about to probably the number one. Everyone's really focused on climate, uh, goals, disasters, everything. So, um, that's good, but of course, it'd be better if we uh, started earlier, but starting from the place you're at is what happens. And so there's a lot happening. So, you know, categorically, you know, uh, energy and storage, transportation, buildings, um, circular economy, like carbon offsets, everything's happening right now. So this is really a, a golden era um, for, um, for climate tech. So thanks for, sh for sharing that. And I see like, you know, uh, you know I, I mean, when you see like, uh, you know, lower carbon capital, so like traditional tech investors jumping into the, uh, in, into the ecosystem, I think is very uh, motivating. And like, you know, Bill Gates wrote his book, How to uh, Avoid the, the Climate Disaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think all of that, it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, but let's go a little bit more uh, into the specific of uh, third uh, der derivative in itself. And, you, you already like uh, share a little bit like the, the, the story, but I'd like to understand like from Nexus uh, New Energy Venture, how and why did you uh, start a third derivative and what was missing there? And, and maybe like um, what are the uh, experience, uh, your previous experience that you, that you brought with you uh, to create this, uh, this model uh, and design this model of uh, third derivative? Yeah, great questions. And I guess I'll start at something you alluded to a moment ago, which is um, I regularly give away our curriculum and our investor lists and everything. So I'm really, really driven um, by 
leveling the playing field, inviting everyone in and democratizing the energy transition as much as possible. Um, <clears throat> for many reasons. One is that we're just going plainly too slow. Um, by our calculations, a third derivative, basically we need to be creating three to four Teslas every year for the next 20 years to hit our climate goals, right? And so if we're aiming towards a 1.5 degree Celsius rise from pre-industrial levels, which is the mission of RMI, also the mission of the derivative, um, it just takes a shit ton of innovation. And depending who you ask, it's about 50-50 deployment and innovation, right? So deployment is we have the, we have the technology, let's just fund it and get it out there and get on the grid. Um, but roughly 50% of it is that we need to invent entirely new things and entirely new processes or bring the cost down radically um, or create whole cloth industries. Um, so <clears throat> making sure that we invite everyone in and act on a global scale is really important. And so third derivative sort of came about as this idea um, between Rocky Mountain Institute, who has traditionally been known for making sort of best-in-class um, like white papers studies, uh, doing amazing consulting with governments and businesses and individuals, um, and they had sort of they had done effectively one major program that had worked kind of in the the uh, enterprise creation, company creation, sort of startup field, uh, which was their global cooling prize. And that is an amazing program. The, the cooling there is sort of a, a, a double meaning. Um, the yes, we're cooling the earth. Specifically, that's a prize for uh, alternative air conditioning, right? Because you have this sort of really gnarly feedback loop where it gets hotter, you need more air conditioning, but air conditioning makes the world hotter. And so they ran that program that just finished very recently. And that was a really good experience for them. And from an organizational perspective, RMI said, great, like let's, let's get our hands dirty, let's work with more startups. And so then they approached uh, us on the Nexus side and said, this is what you guys do. You make accelerators, let's collaborate. And so that's where it came together. And it's been an amazing journey. And we've really kept to the open source philosophy as much as possible. We're really driven by our mission. And so while we have uh, 46 startups in our portfolio right now, we're gonna be adding another 50 plus in the next uh, six or seven months and then more and more every year. While we have our portfolio, we make sure that we share everything. And uh, we do that by sharing our curriculum. We run an open Slack network, which has almost 4,000 people and organizations on it called the New Energy Network. And so we make sure that if you're, you know, in your 15 years to learn, 15 years to earn, and 15 years return, wherever you are in your journey, um, or you're just a student trying to figure out what you want to do, that there's somewhere for you to plug in. Fantastic. So can we go a little bit more in detail in terms of the uh, program itself, the accelerator program uh, with Total Derivative? Like, how does it work? Uh, I'm a founder. Uh, where and when should I apply? How many uh, companies do you uh, accept uh, uh, on a yearly basis? It's like a three-month, six-month program. And, and what do you offer uh, to those uh, founders in a way that uh, that they can maybe not find elsewhere or maybe that makes you, uh, you guys, uh, special? Yeah. Um, so 
the way it works roughly, so just to say, when should you apply? Right now. So we're in application sprint that closes in less than a month. So September 13th will be the close for, um, for this cohort. And companies that apply earlier, we get to spend more time with them because everyone applies at the end. And uh, that's understandable, but it means that we can't spend as much time doing due diligence with you. And the more we get to know you, the better it is for you. So apply now. The way it works is that, so let's say you're a startup founder. Uh, the minimum qualifications for our program is that you need two full-time employees and a working prototype, right? And so that is the, the bottom end. So you and a colleague, like this is what you're spending your time on. We need to have a team that we can work with a team. And the working prototype is because there's uh, like, we will take business risk as in we'll, we'll say like, oh, maybe uh, eventually this finds a market or doesn't find a market, but uh, we don't take sort of science risk. We won't say like, oh, this is an idea. You need to have some kind of working prototype. It can be like a little chip working on a lab bench. That's fine for us. Or you can say like, we have um, some uh, like initial customers, we're a service, like that's fine. So that's the minimum qualifications. You apply to the program to make sure that everyone gets on the new energy network because that's where the community is. That's where we make our announcements. And if you're accepted into the program, you're offered an optional uh, $100,000 uh, US convertible note. Um, if you want to take that, that's great. Um, that comes out of a SPV that we raised and that uh, equates to equity on your next round of raising. Um, if you don't want to take it because you're already doing a raise or you don't like the terms, that's fine. Don't take it. We still want to support you. We're still passionate about supporting your company. And so that's sort of part of our open-ended approach. Um, <clears throat> and let's say you're in a program already. Should you apply? Yes. Third derivative, the structure of the programs, we basically have an hour-long call with you a month. We figure out what are your problems? What are your challenges? Um, and then we help you solve those problems. We pair you with mentors. We help you uh, connect with our corporate partners at the appropriate time, our venture partners. Um, we have a huge list of mentors that we work with. And so we help you solve problems. So if you're doing another program and you're really busy, that's fine. We're not trying to take your time. You don't have to move anywhere. It's global, it's virtual. And we expect that minimum qualification is that basically you show up to our summits, which are once or twice a year. And then you have this hour long phone call a month. And so we designed it to be really light touch and really flexible, but with sort of like a concierge level support where we get to really understand you and help you sort of solve your problems, anticipate. Um, the program lasts for a year and a half, so 18 months. And so expect those monthly-ish phone calls to happen sort of through the duration. And we're just there to put the wind in your sails. So the last thing we wanna do is like say like, great, now move to Colorado, move to anywhere. You're not gonna move anywhere, you're not gonna do this. You pick up the phone and we're gonna help you. Um, and um, it's been a very effective approach. Um, we sort of take the perspective that, yeah, we're, we're on the founder side. They're in the power equation of trying to grow your company and they need the most help. And that's why we exist. You know, while we have corporate and VC partners, um, really like we throw our weight and our assistance behind the startups, um, which is good for everyone at the end. Sure, and, and if I may ask like, uh, how large is the team uh, and uh, who is financing you, who are your uh, LPs? I mean, to, 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 to put all of these like support for founders and this, this really like uh, crafted and, and beautiful work and super important work that you do for, for, for founders, like how do you sustain that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, 
So we have institutional backing. Most of the sort of OPEX of the program comes from our corporate partners. So Shelby P, FedEx, Wells Fargo, um, on down the line. We have nine very large corporate partners right now. They pay a fee to be in the program. And so most of it comes from them. Um, we have also uh, any, any of the funding, the money that, that comes from the funding that's, that's looked at as like a, an evergreen fund. And um, there's also sort of a, a for-profit fund. There's a bunch of financial sort of, um, actually, let me, let me, I said that correctly. Can you cut that out? And yeah. so our fund is for-profit. I said that correctly. We're, we're starting a nonprofit fund too. Yeah. Cut that out. So let me start again on that. Um, and we, the, the fund is for profit. And so that is an SPV and that's uh, owned um, by the investors of the fund. Mm-hmm. But effectively to answer just very directly, it comes from the corporations and from some individual funders. Okay. And, and I think that's a good segue to, uh, to move to my, uh, my next question. I mean, I see that you are in your structure. I mean, like it's clearly increased the success and speed uh, to market for climate innovation. That's really one of uh, like the, the mission that uh, you guys are stating. And I see that in your structure, you are working closely with uh, with corporation and just mentioned about uh, about that in policymakers. So h- how does it work? Like, do you select them? Uh, do you, uh, how do you involve them? And, and what, what do they ask? Uh, because I see that, I mean, you're working with, uh, with companies and you mentioned them as well, like uh, BP, Shell, uh, NG, which are, could be a very you know, huge paradox in terms of uh, climate change. Uh, so it sounds like they, they're also like trying to, uh, you know, putting uh, support into the other side of the, of the, the equation, so which is great. But is it greenwashing or is it really support or what are they looking at? Uh, I think I'd like to get your, your opinion on that one. Yeah, um, it's a big concern. And so when we talk to corporate partners, we have to make a very, um, we have to do a lot of due diligence and then make um, a judgment call and say, is there, um, is there interest in being part of the program authentic? Or is it greenwashing? Is it, is it bullshit? We don't take them if it is. So we have had partners that we've just said, sorry, like we think that you're doing just, the, just this for the CSR support or just to get um, some reputation points. And um, we, effectively, we don't play that game because we want to have partners that are invested in the life of the companies, in the program at large, and have, are going to act in good faith. Um, there is like this very understandable sort of, uh, I don't know if it's quite a boogeyman sort of scenario, but where it's like, well, okay, so we're going to work with the fossil fuel companies that are going to take our, our um, technology and just scuttle it and just sort of shelve it. I don't think that's a concern for the parties that we have anymore. I mean, I think the energy transition um, is very much underway. Uh, the future is very much clear. Everyone's trying to figure out what their path to decarbonizing is. And so, um, trust me, healthy skepticism is great. We have it, we hold it, and uh, we make a subjective call, um, but we really kick the tires and we look at track record, we look at their intent. And so that's where we end up with the partners that we have. 
So let's go back a little bit on the um, previous investment that you uh, that you did. Can you give us like maybe a couple of examples of a company uh, that you backed and what makes them special? Maybe it was the team, the market, the tech, uh, and maybe how do you source those uh, those founders? I mean, you mentioned that uh, uh, there's only one month left to uh, to apply for your next uh, next batch. So uh, hurry up, uh, anyone who's listening to the show. But uh, uh, where do you find them? We spent a lot of time on this because, um, especially because we're a new program, we're trying to build our reputation. Um, and you know, all of a sudden you just get, you know, an email from this thing called third derivative and they tell you to spend a bunch of time, a bunch of time doing an application uh, of specious value. Like I get it. Like I've been a founder, I've applied to programs, I've been an accelerator, I've wasted my time. And we try to make it really clear who we are and what we uh, sort of represent. We work with, tons of universities, national labs, we have our own sort of native networks. We lean on the reputations of RMI, no energy access. We have people that sort of vouch for us, VCs and uh, sort of national energy organizations. And um, we just do a lot of outreach. Uh, last year, um, we're sort of culminated in our uh, first cohort, which is the largest cohort of climate tech companies ever. Um, we end up with 650-ish apps for 46 companies. And so this year, um, we're looking to fund between like 50 and 70 companies, and we're hoping to get 1,000 applications. And you can just get that through a lot of sustained communication, um, a lot of, uh, you know, just sort of pounding the pavement and convincing people to apply and letting them know that about the value present value proposition that you don't have to move you can do this with other programs and we're just here to help um because uh we understand that it takes time to do the application and everyone should have a healthy skepticism before they jump into things cool so uh let's go back a little bit more macro uh for the last uh, couple of questions for this uh, this part of the interview um according to you and based on your experience and what you see in the in the markets uh, today which are the, the, the sectors that are the more the most promising uh, for you in terms of like what we call the impact cash uh, returns or ICR? You know what I mean? Meaning building impactful companies while creating highly profitable uh, business. Um, it's kind of hard to say because there's so much happening all the time. Um, um, Storage is still a very hot sector. There's some very significant sort of startup costs that you need to have to get in the storage game. So there's a bit of a barrier there. Um, but storage is really hot. Anything in sort of um, anything that makes wind or solar cheaper or deployment of wind or solar cheaper is also great. Um, the carbon offset market is evolving and growing. There's a lot going on in that. Um, we are about to announce that we have a relationship with um, the Grantham Foundation. They're funding specifically a direct air capture cohort. And so we're really focused on uh, funding that cohort and getting the price of, of uh, direct air capture down um, to about a tenth of what it is right now. And we think that'll be sort of a game changer. So that's a bit of like a, a market making top down approach that we're doing. But there's a lot that's gonna happen there. The hydrogen economy, I think is so fascinating. I want it to happen. I'm pretty sure it's gonna happen. 
Uh, there's a lot of money going into it, but we funded um, a few electrolyzer companies, just anything that makes um, clean hydrogen cheaper. Um, that, my sense is that's going to exist and it's going to be a pretty significant part of the total energy economy and it doesn't really exist right now. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, uh, anything clean transportation is really exciting. Uh, we also have a whole sector that looks at industrial processes, uh, manufacturing chemicals, and doing things in a more uh, less ecologically damaging way. That's really hot. Um, on down the line, honestly, it's I'm. Sorry, there are a lot of sectors. <laughs> I mean, the decarbonization yeah. of the economy is so big. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe a, mm -hmm. a sector like uh, steel and concrete uh, is probably also something where. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of challenges, but uh, there's also a lot of uh, interest to, uh, to 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 create the change. So that that brings me to uh, almost my last question. Um, so, how do you measure impact? Um, you know, do you have any like specific like framework, or do you rely on scientists or experts to validate the, the tech and, and the impact uh, uh, that the, the the companies are applying? And and do you have any like maybe criteria in terms of CO2 uh, removal uh, or that can be avoided, uh, maybe maybe some social impact, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, that's kind of the hardest question. It's something that we like, dove into when we were structuring the program. I mean, we've just had so many circular arguments around how do we measure, do we measure, where does that come in uh, sort of the application process and um, because obviously we're all about impact, but impact is so difficult to understand, especially when you're a startup and you're still trying to understand um, kind of like what your market is and how big you can be sure you walk in with some kind of TAM, but um, it's just really difficult. Effectively, we, we've had a, we'll know it when we see it approach and we punt it down the road. Now we have a team that's actually looking to formalize this. Our perspective thus far is come in with your realistic calculations and tell us what you think, and then we'll sort of go from there. So we, we thought about using various tools or having people um, sort of be in a standardized framework. That didn't work for many, many reasons um, because it's hard and it's not standardized. It's hard to understand. And so um, it's something that's evolving. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think that'll be for the next podcast is sort of like where we end up on that. But right now it's, yep. hey, okay, show us, show us what you have and we'll start from there. You should get in touch probably with, uh, I mean, two other investors that we, uh, we interviewed in the podcast in previous episode. One is called Planet First uh, Partner. They're based, based out of London uh, and they're doing a great job uh, on that sense. And I'm happy to share the, their uh, frameworks and yeah. uh, also this uh, company called, I mean, investment fund called uh, Planet A. Uh, out of Germany. Uh, okay, also have, yeah, so I'll uh, definitely uh, put you in touch. Uh, let's move on now on the, the, the last question. I mean, how can the community can help you today? Uh, anyone listening wants to uh, jump into the into the climate tech or help you guys? Uh, what's, uh, how can we help you? There uh, are three very specific and very important ways you can help us. Um, one is if you are a startup or you know a startup, uh, send in the information. Um, I'm telling you uh, very directly that their derivative is uh, light on time and heavy on value. So apply or have friends apply. Number two is 
if you are looking for a job or you know people looking for a job, we're about to hire an astounding 13 people to join our team. So you asked us about the size of the team. We started out, there's about four of us. We launched, there's about 10. We're at about 20 right now. So we're looking to add 13 very, very quickly. So we have really great jobs um, uh, coming up. So apply. Uh, the third thing is, is if you want to be a mentor, uh, considering doing that too. Um, we're very respectful of people's time. We've gotten great reviews from existing mentors. Effectively, we just pair you with companies and you can help them sort of ad hoc as much as you can. There's sort of two mentors that we work with. One, we call it the super mentors, people that have built a company sort of from something small to some kind of exit. And the second kind of mentor is someone that has like a very specific sort of lane that they're in, like sort of like technical expert or they're part of the startup like sort of growth or evaluation. Um, and so we welcome both. Um, so those are the three ways, startups, uh, employees, and mentors. Um, and then also just for anyone, even if you're just curious, join the New Energy Network. I'll send you the link, um, become part of the community and do a little bit of learning and give back. Please share all the links with, uh, with us and we'll be happy to, to share that with the, with the community of, uh, of listeners. So any question I should have asked you and I did not for this, uh, this part of the, of the interview? <laughs> Um, I think we got it all. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for sharing all of those uh, amazing insights, your personal story, and uh, and frankly, this amazing work that you do for the climate ecosystem and this uh, really openness and uh, open sourced uh, in a way approached uh, that uh, that you have. Uh, I think it's uh, very valuable and fantastic because uh, indeed we need to have uh, probably. Yes, you mentioned three or four Tesla uh, a year. We probably need uh, five or ten third derivative uh, uh, a month or a year. Yeah. I don't know, uh, but we need Please. more uh, people Happy like you. That's for sure. Us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you so much, so much. and uh, we'll, uh, we'll share with you uh, all the yeah. all the information and, and everything. And I uh, hope we we can uh, follow up with you guys in the, in the future very soon. Sounds great.